we love you guys. You're the best. Thanks, Derek. Thanks for loving our kids. Yeah, let them know you love them. They really do a good job, and we love teenagers around Timberline, and we are grateful for every one of them. So how are you doing this morning? Feeling good, ready to go, I hope, and uh, got enough rest and enough coffee and big breakfast. I like asking these crazy questions, but how many of you eat before you come here? Okay, not a few. How many of you just kind of go afterwards and do the breakfast thing? Okay, it's about, it's about, we have a church split going on right here in this room. That's great. Well, we, uh, we are excited about this final message. Um, I just want to say tonight at 5 o'clock, if you're a voting member of Timberline, then we'd love to have you pop in at 5 o'clock for a short meeting. Uh, you've received the emails and the information by now. Hey, uh, I want to just say August 23 and 4 is our one day to feed the world offering, if you saw the video. It's where we ask you to figure out how much money you make in one day. And pick a day. This is what me and Bonnie do. Um, pick a day that you're not working for that check, you're working for God, and you're going to give that money away. However much you make. If you're unemployed, then you don't need to give anything in that offering. But it is an amazing way, through Convoy of Hope, that when disaster hits, we've been able to give hundreds of thousands of dollars as a church to make a difference around the world. When they have those disasters, Timberline is already there through Convoy of Hope. And so that's why we don't take an offering every time we have a tragedy in the world because we take this offering and it covers the rest of the year, all those tragedies, and uh, Convoy is there. So please pray about it. Think about it. If you have kids, tell them, this is the day we're working for the Lord. Pick a project that maybe you want to go do and think about what that means. So we'll receive that offering on August 23 and 4. All right, take out your bulletin, your program there, and look at the back. There's a blank at the top because I wanted to surprise you with a little big book that I don't think you can guess. Anybody want to guess? I would like for you to write your name in that blank. Okay? I want you to write your name. If you know how to spell your name, do it well because there's a test later. All right? So write your name in that blank because I really felt it would be imperative for us to not just talk about Jude and Philemon and some of the people that we've been talking about in their life, but what is God doing in your life? What's happening in you? You are writing a book with your life. You may not believe you are, and you may not believe anyone will ever read it, but they are reading it right now as you live it. And it's imperative that we get this right and we understand what God has for our lives and how He can best utilize the gifts and talents that we have in our lives. What is your book going to say about you to others? I've put a few questions out there that I want you to just think about. What is it that consumes your time when you have a free half an hour? What is it that you think about? Is there a theme that you tend to go to that you tend to think about? Maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's a dread. But you tend to think about it. What is it, secondly, that troubles you? What are the things that create anxiety in your life? Because as you live out, as you write your book, those troubles, those anxieties, those are going to come out of you. And people are going to know what is troubling you. They're going to see it in your eyes. They're going to hear you vocalize it. Nothing wrong with that. We all have things that trouble us. It's just important to know what it is. What encourages you? What are the things that make you say, I can do this another day? I can do this another week. How are you encouraged as a person? 
And I, I, I end it with this thought. If, if the camera of the world could swing around right now and go right on your face, and every person on the planet were to hear what you were about to say and you had 30 seconds, what's the message you would give? That takes a lot of thought, but I would encourage you to think about it. Here's why. I would like for you to take that statement and say, I want my book, my life, to be about that. Because that's what's valuable to you, and that's what matters most in your life. So, I have quite a few fill-ins, so let's go. Number one, your life does make a difference. You matter to God. Don't ever believe the lie that says you don't matter. Because you do. And I know people tell us that sometimes. You matter to God. God loves you. God cares. But I want to read something out of Second Peter chapter 1 that is powerful. I remember putting this to memory years ago. And I, I don't have it memorized now, but close. But I want you to just think about these words. I love this passage of Scripture, starting with verse 3. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Think about that. That's, I mean, that's a huge statement. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are promises that enable you to share in His divine nature and escapes the world's corruption by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love. Love for who? For everyone. No boxes there. For everyone. That's the kind of life that I want to live. That's the kind of life I'm encouraging you to live. What kind of difference can you make with your life? Listen, some of you grew up in a situation where you were just basically beat down all the time. The value that you, view, you give yourself does not even come close to the value God gives you. And we're going to work on that a little bit today. And I want to challenge you to realize that you are valued. Jesus Christ laid down His life because He valued you that much. That's not just a Christian cliche. He really did that because He values who you are. Number two, how do people impact the world? I, I was thinking a lot about this, obviously knowing the weekend coming up into this and looking at this whole series. And I started making a bunch of lists of how people impact the world. And it, it kind of boiled down to three things. And I think in these three things, everything you do to impact others fits in one, one or all of these categories. And we say it often around Timberline. Time, talent, and treasure. If you write those things down in your notes today and you think about it, everything you do that involves your time, that involves your talent and your treasure are the things that can impact other people. We all have the same amount of time, but some are busier than others. Some have work that is more demanding. Some of you are young parents, and that with kids it's more demanding. There's, man, I'm around kids these days. When I get to a family with three or four kids, I'm exhausted just watching them. 
You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? So you young parents, I just want you to know I'm, I'm grateful for you. And, and you don't have, your time and your investment is into your family and your kids. But some of you can volunteer, whether it be at the Murphy Center with homeless or near homelessness uh, people. Awesome place to volunteer through Serve 6-8. But giving some of your time in your neighborhood just to make a difference. Others, it's the gifts you have. I love it when I watch people do what they're good at. And I say, wow, that is just a gift because I don't have it, you know. And you see them do it and you go, it looks so easy when they do it. But it's not always that easy. Use those talents. How can you make a difference? And treasure, that's money, what you've accumulated. And many of you have given lots of money through the years to projects and missions and to, to things that make a difference in the world. That's why we take offerings. It's why we give money as a church because we believe in investing. Time, talent, and treasure will impact the world. It really will. So let's remember that and let's live that. Number three, I, don't, I want to talk for a moment about some lesser known heroes. Because sometimes we get caught up in, in thinking that, you know, we know the big names, you know, in the Bible, for instance, Abraham, Moses. Um, we we kind of go to King David, and, and we know their stories. And many of you who have been around church a long time know a lot about them. I was thinking a little bit about a guy named Enoch. How many of you have ever heard of Enoch? Yes, a lot of you have. What does it say? Just a just kind of a one-liner guy in the Bible. And it, it, what does it say about Enoch? Enoch walked with God. That's a, that's a huge statement if you really think about it. Enoch walked with God. What's the next line? And God took him. God took him on to heaven. Enoch is one of those guys in the Bible that never died. It's, it's interesting. I was reading one author who said God and Enoch were taking a long walk one day. and They stopped and God said, you know what? We're closer to my house than we are to go back to yours. Let's just go on to mine. Enoch. I was reading in Second Samuel chapter 23. It's a fascinating about a guy named Shammah. Ever heard of Shammah? See, most people have never heard of Shammah, but Shammah is a star. He, he saved the day. Shammah. Who names their kids Shammah? Shammah on them. I mean, <laughs> Shammah. He took on the Philistine army all by himself in order to save a patch of lintels in the ground. It was a piece of fertile ground that the Philistines were trying to take over. And Shammah is called one of David's mighty men. And he took him on and he battled. And he lived and, and they all died because he was a warrior. He had courage. He was strong. And yet we don't even know his name. Yet it's recorded right here in this book. Here's my point. You don't have to be a superstar to make a difference with your life. We all are a little big book, and you are writing your book right now. And though not everyone may know it, God knows it, and others know it. How about Douglas Ring? Ever heard of him? Douglas Ring. This guy is your friend. This guy is the guy that you really need to appreciate because he was the guy back in the 50s who was working on technology that we now call cellular if it hadn't been for this guy, we wouldn't have cellular service like we have today. He made it happen. We don't know him, but we certainly appreciate all the stuff he did. When we pull our phone out and call somebody or text somebody, our life is different because of that guy. 
Well, how about a guy named Calvin Moores? Calvin was one of the pioneers of electronic digital computer, computerization. This is the guy that coined the term information, informational retrieval. And he created ways to build computers to hold data. And now we just type away and send an email around the world. Here's a guy who we have to thank for that. And we don't even know his name. But he's impacted our lives. And that's what I want you to feel. I want you to see this today. I want you to realize that it's not about being front page paper. It's not about being in the headlights. It's about you saying, God, here's my life. Spin me. Do whatever you want with me. I started making a list over the last couple of weeks, knowing this message was coming, and I've had a blast doing it. It's way too long to, to tell you all of them, but I'll tell you a few things. These are simple things that someone thought of, and I don't know who thought of any of these, but I am so grateful. A toaster is an amazing thing. When you go home, you should hug your toaster. Just think about who made a toaster. A drill. A cordless power drill. I just walked around my house the other day, just... Bonnie said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just enjoying my drill. <laughs> shoes are incredible. You know, look at all these shoes and that they fit your feet and they, they can help correct your feet and they're comfortable. And, and I, I just think shoes are amazing. I looked through some binoculars the other day and thought, wow, who thought of this? Who thought of this? And even glasses. Well, are you there? <laughs> right? Glasses. Some of our mission trips, we build these little glasses for these these people who can't see and they put them on and it's like you're literally giving them their sight back something that simple is powerful the little things really matter how about Gore-Tex you know what that is when Gore-Tex first came out I couldn't believe it was true and you know when you grow up in the mountains running around in the snow and all that having a dry foot is just something you never really think would ever happen in your lifetime and I remember we were up on the mountains and Bonnie's dad, Malcolm, my father-in-law, had never heard of Gore-Tex. This was years ago when it first came out. And I had bought my first pair of Gore-Tex boots to go on this hunting trip. And we had about six or eight inches of snow. And we came back to the tent. And I'll never forget this. He's, he's home with the Lord now. But he sat down on his cot or in this big cook tent. And he sits down and he pulls his boots off. Sets him down, pulls his socks off, and starts wringing the water out of his socks. And it was cold. And I said, you've got to be freezing. He said, I am pretty cold. If, you, if there was just a way to keep your feet warm. I said, Dad, have you ever heard of Gore-Tex? No. I said, well, my, my foot is completely dry. And he, he laughed. He said, yeah, sure it is. I said, no, I'm not kidding. He, he said, I'm looking at your boot and it's soaking wet. I said, well, the outside is wet, but my sock is completely dry because of Gore-Tex. He didn't believe me. I said, okay, I'm going to take off my boot, and I'm going to put my foot right in your hand. Are you ready for that? <laughs> he said, I'd love to see it, and I did. And he, I ended up taking my sock off, and he couldn't believe that my foot was dry. I'm thankful for Mr. Gore-Tex, if that's his name, but I don't know if that's his name. All these things, I don't know who did it, but I'm really grateful I live in a world where people think of stuff that make a difference. Let's move on. Because this gets, gets into our lives. Number four, be determined to give your life to God's purpose. 
It's great if you invent something or create something that we can utilize wonderful. But what is it that God has in mind for you? What is it that God's saying, man, I hope they find this niche because I have a whole bunch of stuff in them to accomplish. I just want them to pursue me enough that there's enough relationship that I can get this excited, get them excited about it. Are your passions godly? It's a big question. Hopefully you have passions, but are they godly passions? Or are they self-centered? It's worth thinking about. So I've decided just to put some simple thoughts together that I've just said some, some ways to do that. How can I do God's purpose with my life? Number one is keep proper perspective. This really matters because if, depending on what you see and, and how you filter your life, there is a lot of options you have every day in this culture we live in. I mean, there's some bad stuff going on in the world. There are some challenging issues that we have to face. And you can live way down here in a rut of worry and anxiety and fear. Or you can absolutely get a perspective that's different. Let me just read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I warn you as, notice this, temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. Did you know that you are a temporary resident? That we are just foreigners in this land? Doesn't that kind of free you up? Because, you know, if you're, have you ever lived somewhere temporary? I mean, you are now, but I mean like literally two weeks or three weeks or you go somewhere, you don't really bother setting up house. It's kind of like a, an unfinished basement. How many of you have one of those? How many of you just put all your junk down there? It's just, it's just, I don't know what to do with it. Put it in the basement. It's kind of like, I don't care. I'm not in this space. And sometimes if we're not careful, our perspective is not temporary residency. It's like we want this life to be the fulfilling life that we've dreamed of. And it never will be. It can be a fulfilling life as you honor God and obey God and walk with God. But I'm going to keep my heart in the right place. I'm not striving or I don't have expectation for this life to be totally fulfilling to me. I'm a resident that's temporary here. This isn't my final home. Think about that. Number two, keep moving forward. I, I see people who really get stuck, and I want to talk about that. Look at Philippians chapter 3. When Paul wrote this letter, he's saying, listen to me, guys. Pay attention. Verse 12. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Look at this. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Read verse 14 with me. I press on, come on, say it out. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I press on. I will move forward. I'll tell you, I've been stuck before. How many of you have really been stuck? Like in a truck or in the mountains. I was by myself one time and got, got in a mud hole. I thought I could make it through it. And uh, I didn't. <laughs> and I was stuck. I was trying logs in the mud hole, but I just kept getting deeper and deeper. Had to walk out like five miles to get some help. And can I tell you, the next time I came to a bog hole, I paid more attention. I see people who hit the bog hole 
and they're stuck there. Your tires can be spinning and you could be flinging mud everywhere, but you're not moving. Think about that. That sometimes is what life does to us. We're just spinning our tires. And we just can't go and we can't get traction and we're just not making progress. God is the one who can help us in life not to be stuck. Broken relationships can get you stuck. Family problems, financial desperation can can cause you to feel stuck in your life. But God has a way of saying, I want to get you and get you out of that mud hole. I don't want you to feel stuck. A lot of people right now are stuck in the fear of end times. I've had people ask me, why don't you, you know, you need to do a, a message series on the end times. And I say, well, it's really a sentence. The Lord's coming back and there's trouble on the earth. That's end times. And it's not going to get better, it's going to get worse. And, and I, I expect that to happen. But we can be prepared. We don't have to lose hope. I don't live in fear. And I encourage you not to live in fear. You're going to be stuck. It's going to paralyze you. And your book is going to be a statement about fear rather than hope and encouragement in God. You're writing a book. I don't want you to forget that. You're writing a book. Dream a little bit. Plan a little bit. One of the funnest parts about planning a little trip is the anticipation of it and looking forward to it. What are you looking forward to in your life as you write your book? Number three. Utilize your gifts. Utilize your gifts. Because if you will be using the gifts you have, you will not be bored in this life. You will be useful. God will harness that. And He will make a difference through your life with what you can do. 1 Timothy 4.14 Don't neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and for the salvation of those who hear you. Wow. It's powerful. Number four, and lastly, maybe the biggest thing I could say to you today. Never give up. So that's kind of a cliche. Yeah, I know it can sound like one. But there's something really powerful about you believing that you can live your life without giving up. And you can trust God in times when you want to give up. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know Him now. This means... That anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is what? Gone. A new life has begun. I need that. That restores me. That's what I'm hopeful and that's what I'm grateful for. What makes people quit? You know, in wrapping this up, I was trying to think, I started a list of all the things that I think make people quit, whatever it is. And it all boiled down, when I looked at the list, honestly, it all boiled down to kind of one thing. And you don't have to agree with this, but this, is, this would be my summation. People quit when they lose hope. In whatever situation it is, hope is the thing that keeps you going. And when you lose hope, there's just a death. I just don't care anymore. 
It just doesn't matter anymore. And there's a reality in that that's, that's deep in the psyche of our mind, in the spirit man of our heart. When I lose hope, I want you to meet somebody. Turn your attention to the screen if you would, please. I was um, living in D.C. Um, I moved up with some people from the church here that got transferred up there. They asked me to go and help them with their son. So I helped them for about a year. And then after that, the church we were going to had this internship program called 24-7. I was like, this is perfect. It's going to teach me how to do ministry, all the ins and outs help me find my niche and so I'm gonna just just do it and I absolutely loved it at that point I realized I want to be someone's inspiration or I want to help someone through a dark time I started to get very unbalanced and very wobbly and you could push me with a finger and push me over like I could not hold myself up. My vision was getting worse. I couldn't see. And so I went to the eye doctor and I was fine. There was no nothing new wrong. So we're like, okay, well, then what else could it be? So I made an appointment with the neurologist, but it was going to be a month before I could get in. We want you to go to the ER. We think something's wrong. So I went, and I'm sitting in the ER with one of my friends, and they're doing all these MRIs and CAT scans. The doctor comes in a few hours later and goes, he looks at me and goes, did you know that you have a giant mass at the base of your neck? I hadn't talked to my parents all day long because I didn't want them to worry. They wanted to get it up then and there, and I'm like, look, I'm not from here. I don't have family up here. Can I, my dad's coming up. Can I fly home with him and have it done there? And they said, yes. So that Friday, I came home with my dad. Two weeks from when I got home, I had my first surgery, March 19th of 2013. They called it a grapefruit. It turned out to be over seven centimeters. And where it was pressing was very dangerous. I mean, your brainstem and all of that controls your breathing, your walking, your basic motor functions. I lost my speech, really my ability to do anything at that point. I was on a breathing tube. I had a feeding tube in my nose because I couldn't eat. I felt like my life was over and that I couldn't, I wasn't going to be able to do what I felt like God wanted me to do. Whether I, he kept me here on this earth or he took me home, I knew his glory was going to show through what, whatever the outcome was. So that was what kept me, kept me going through this and still keeps me going through it. You might not think he's standing right next to you, but he is and he's holding your hand and he's always going to be there for you and he'll never let you go. All you have to do is pray to him and ask him to show you what he wants from you. This was not what I had expected when I thought God was going to use my life to 
help others. I never thought I would get a brain tumor and be practically on my deathbed for God to, to use me. I still had troubles coming to terms with this is what God's going to use because I just don't feel worthy enough. I don't feel like I'm good enough to be Please say hi to Samantha Kelly. You know, Samantha is a high-level volunteer here at Timberline Church. The sermon notes that came on the screen today, the lyrics to the songs that you sang, she makes all that happen around here. She works her computer and builds the graphics for our weekend stuff. And you maybe didn't know her name until today. You certainly didn't know her story. But I have asked, I'm sorry, I'm a baby. I'm so sorry, Samantha. Samantha is the sweetest gal ever. I've asked her if she would pray over us. And I've asked her if she would pray for people specifically who are on that edge of losing hope. And we don't always do this, but I'm going to ask some of you who know that you're at that place and you just really need God, you need hope, you need something of a touch from, from God today to, if you're able, to just stand to your feet while she prays. So she's going to lead us now. And, and those of you that just feel prompted, like, I know I need this prayer. You don't have to stand if you don't want to. She's still praying for you anyway. But if you know that God's knocking on your heart and you'll say, I know I'm standing because I'm there. I need this hope you're talking about. And she's been through it. Would you stand now? If those of you that just want her to pray over you for this need, go ahead and just stand. Okay, Samantha, lead us in a prayer. God, I just pray that uh, everyone here, God, that... Uh, feels like all hope is lost and that there's no way out of whatever they're in, God, that they would know that you are always there holding their hands, guiding every step, and that you will never let go of them, and that you will always be there, and that they should hold on to that hope, and that whatever happens is what you have planned for their lives. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Sam. We love you. We're proud of you. Would you just go ahead and be seated? Lord, thank you so much for people like Samantha who overcome the stuff life throws at them and yet they write a book with their life that is a little big book. And thank you for that inspiration today. Lord, I thank you that you can help us when we feel like giving up. You guys, hold on to that prayer. With heads bowed in here, I just want to say hold on to that prayer. You need that today. God is here to invest that into you, to trust God. No matter what you're facing, God is bigger. That's what this church exists for, is to put hope in you because God is a God of hope. I want to pray secondly for those of you that struggle with your value. Some of you, depending on how you grew up, man, it's just a huge thing. Maybe you don't even like who you are. God loves you. And I want to 
going to pray over that. If that's you, just slip up a hand and say, sometimes that's an issue for me. Okay, Lord, I just pray that people will feel loved and that they will know the value you place on them. God, that it won't be that their self-talk is beating them up, but their self-talk will be honorable and bring glory to your name as they write their book. Lord, I pray secondly for those who need to be more intentional about their decisions to make a difference, time, talent, and treasure. Will you be willful to step out, even this week, to step out and say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make that call. I'm going to serve my neighbors. And if you need Christ today, just pray it with me. Lord, forgive me of my sin and cleanse my heart. I trust you. I trust you. And I believe you died on that cross for me and I give you my life. To God be the glory. Lord, we pray all these things in your precious name. And everyone said, Amen. I just thank God that his love is relentless. Lord, we love you. Our prayer team is up here. We would love to just pray for you. Come on down at any moment. We would just love to connect with you. Some of you need to kind of seal the deal of the hope God's putting in you today. Let us enjoy that moment with you. Otherwise, uh, have a great and wonderful and blessed day. I know you're going to go make a difference. So just say it with me as you go. The service starts now. God bless you. Thanks for being Timberline.